Sitting in Okasha Cohen with Marxy uh, about uh, 11 o'clock on a Friday night. And for some reason, apropos of absolutely nothing, we're going to talk about Harajuku. Well, we were talking about it anyway. We're talking about how it's Japan, anyway, so a state of terminal get, decline, yeah. is per usual our obsessions with um, how bad things are going to get, how bad things already are. But in spite of that, people come to Harajuku looking for fashions that come from the street and... Uh, this idea that exciting new things are happening in Japan and Tokyo, and I, I still, I'm looking for them. I'm, I'm in search of them always, constantly, for things to write about that are exciting. And uh, Harajuku is, of course, one of the stops that we're always looking at for exciting, fun things that are stylish and cool. And yeah. uh, when was it? April or something or May? I did this. Uh, I did a Tokyo Eye. I'd never done one before. NHK and, World. And I'd yeah. never uh, tried to solicit that kind of work, but uh, NHK World calls. Uh, it says, we want to do this thing on Uraharajuku, where should we shoot, or whatever. And I was thinking, and it was like, every single shop that made Uraharajuku, like, from 1993 to 1998, let's say that's like the peak or whatever, none of those shops are still there. Like, they're all gone. 6% Doki Doki. It's like the one that's Started in 1995, I think. Is that right? Sounds about right. I would say that even that probably like hit its peak by 1988 or something. But that that store is still there, in which they went to. But that's like that's it, and like, Bathing Ape isn't there anymore. They moved out. Undercover was there. They moved out. Neighborhood and Supreme were there. Neighborhood, I guess, is one that's still there. Um, there's still. But, but I'd really like to say like, there's still a lot of people selling crazy clothes still, there. Like, it, like, I don't want to make it sound like Buffalo Bob's, like Jack Rose, like one of those is there now, like. <laughs> But the point is, like, when you walk around, you're not like, this is the cutting edge. Like, because literally, like, okay, so if you if you look at one of those, like, histories of Japanese fashion in Japanese fashion magazines, it's like, you know, 1980 is uh, American traditional. Like, 1981 is British Ivy, uh, you know, British kind of, like, classic stuff. 1982 is Italian casual, and then it's, like... 1985 is like the DC boom, which was like designer and character brands, which is kind of like Come to Garcon and Yoji Yamamoto, and then also like Pink House and all these like kind of weird. I'm gonna guess people wearing black, a lot of black. A lot of black, but also like a world of like really weirdly like in Japanese like hade, like it just I don't know how much it like outrageous kind of cool thing. And then well, it's kind of mode, right? It's like totally designer. It's like not street. It's like designer, right? And then in '88 you get like Shibukaji, which was like. Shibuya Casual, 
It was like all these guys being like, fuck designer stuff. We're going to dress like cool, kind of delinquent, rich guys. And it was just like dressing like beams, like really like American, like baggy. Hip hop. The hip hop. It wasn't like hip hop. It was like clean. When you say baggy, I mean. It was like baggy. It wasn't tight anymore. It was just like baggy khakis and like, uh, you know, like. Uh, then like this whole thing, Kide Kashi came came in, which was like, which was like clean casual. So it was like loafers and like khakis and like a blazer. Like it wasn't good. I mean, it wasn't like cool by any means. But like that was in. And then like then it'll be like 1995 was Ura Harajuku. So like there was a three year period where Ura Harajuku was like the even everyone admitted this. It, was, it wasn't like some kind of weird subcultural thing. It was like all fashion magazines were obsessed with these Urahajuka brands like Bathing Ape and Undercover and Good Enough and all this. And so like a store like uh, Ready Made, which was like the store that was under Head Porter. Well, Head Porter obviously was incredibly good. But like Ready Made sold Good Enough and like Electric Cottage and some of these like uh, Fujiwara Hiroshi brands, right? So like that was the place you went. But like, so now in someone 2009 saying like, hey, let's do Urahajuka. It's literally 14 years after the fact, right? And like, it's like someone being like, Carnaby Street. Yeah, Let's yeah. Carnaby Street in 1981, right? In 1981. What were the prices like back then? Because you, you were here during the kind of Urahajuka boom, right? I just, I would say that I was here in the peak. So like not in like when it was really cool, but okay. like when it had, it had gotten mass. Like by the time I was here, I don't think you could claim anymore that it was only like cool kids going to these stores. It was like everywhere. People were actively seeking out. Like it was like a huge line. I mean, that's why I even got interested. I, I, I guess I saw a bathing ape t-shirt and I was in the Cornelius. And I was like, wow, there's like a t-shirt line that's all based on Planet of the Apes. Like what is this deal with Planet of the Apes? But I realized like there's this weird Cornelius a bathing ape connection. So it was like a brand dedicated to this musician that I love. So it was like, that's awesome. Like this is the coolest idea for a brand ever. So I went to the store and like, I got there like five and like, they wouldn't let me in. Like there was a guy, like it was like a doorman like guarding the staircase. It's like trying to get into a club in Manhattan. Yeah. And it was like 5 PM and the store closed at six. Like I knew it closed at six and it was like five. And I was like, hi, can I come in? He's like, no, you can't come in. I was like, what? And so I was like, I gotta go. I, I gotta go back. So like the next day, cause this was like, I was working at hot dog press or working, I was like doing internship hot dog press, which was like, no one probably remembers this magazine, but it was like a put on show version of Popeye that started in the 80s and like, it, I think it went under in, I want to say like 2001 or two or something. But anyway, um, so I'm at hot dog press. There's nothing for me to do every day. It's just like reading magazines. And I was like, I'm gonna go see Bathing Ape. They're like, great, whatever, just get out of our hair. So I went, the next day, too, because I was like, I gotta get in this store. And I got there at like one, and there was a fucking like hundred person line, right? There's a hundred people waiting in the sun, and I had like my CD player. I was like, I'll just listen to CDs in this line. And my like, CD player like, like went out like immediately. And I'm just sitting there, and it's all these very like polite people, all like not bitching about the fact that they're waiting in this hot, melting sun like on the staircase, trying to get into this basement store with no sign. And so. I finally like you get through the door and you're like yeah like got the door and then you realize there's another line of like a hundred people in front of you like it just never ends and so finally like after an hour I get to like the store and they like let me in the store right <laughs> so you get in the store and it's just like people like pushing themselves over to get stuff like like and, and at that point like everyone was going after the t-shirt it sounds like H&M now but it was like in a like H&M's like a giant store, right? It's like this box, like this tiny little box, 
And at that point, Bathing Ape was selling like yeah. What were the prices Bathing like Ape, back then? And they were, well, I think it was like fifty eight hundred for a t shirt. And um, it's not Bathing Ape good enough. Too bad. Like, I mean, it was still nowhere. So they were still like not only exclusively selling Bathing Ape, they're selling other stuff. And they didn't have that much product. It was just like some t shirts, some jeans, some sweatshirts, okay. limited whatever. items. Everyone was just going after the t-shirts, and I was like, I'm not even going to get in that mess. You've so, never really been in one for t-shirts. Well, no, at that point I was. But they had all these border shirts, and I was like, that's that's what I'm going to get. So I got this red and white border shirt with like a little ape face. I was like, that was expensive. It was like maybe 8,000 yen or something. So I was like, great, I got it. And that was, so I, for 45 minutes, I was just wandering around the store trying to figure out what I wanted to get, like everyone else. So then I finally was like, okay, I'm going to get this border shirt, and I'm going to get in line. And then it took like an hour and a half to get out of the line. Like, what? like just waiting in line to pay for this stuff. So finally I pay for it and I get out and it had been three hours. Like, not like, I feel like that must have been an exaggeration. But I literally like, I had spent an entire afternoon buying one piece of clothes. Jesus right? Christ. I mean, how'd you feel? You feel like, I, I did it. I yeah, did, I did it. it. I did. But you also realize like, if you wait in line, there's no way you're going to go through that line and then not buy something, right? Like, you know what? Yeah, I'm just not feeling it today and leave. And then, you gotta be committed. Th- the other thing is that uh, when I was there, Miyake Ken from V6, like, okay. kind of came in, like, he pushed past the line and came in and, like, went to some private dressing room or something. And I was like, wow, like, you know, a, a guy from V6. I mean, I was, like, 19, so that felt like it was cool. Uh, wow, this is, like, more than 10 years ago. Okay, so... So it is history at this point. Like I always felt like it was yeah. just me being like yeah. weirdly snobby. You're like a burnout guy in the 70s yeah. talking about the 60s <laughs> right yeah. now. It was awesome. All right, so anyway, the point was, then I was like, okay, this is, and then I was like addicted to it. So then it's like, okay, I got this. Okay, the other thing I did is like I went up the street to um, Takeshidori. When Takeshidori was, like, sure. was a little more like scuzzy than it is now. And there was What? This, I can't even imagine it being any scuzzier than it is now. Well, there was this, there was this weird indenture. Like it, when you entered from Meiji Street, if you went directly to the left, there was this weird like, back area that um, was full of these little shops that sold things like like I bought a puffy tour t-shirt there for like 9,000 or 8,000 yen or something no it was real it was just that if you don't go to the the actual live tour you can't buy the clothes like then they they don't sell these t-shirts anywhere other than the the tour right so I bought the shirt for like a ridiculous amount of money uh, but it was like all these kind of like resellers and then I realized they had all these Bathing Ape shirts for selling for like $300 that were just like sold in 1986 or whatever. So I realized like there's this weird rarity factor too. So anyway, so then I was like, okay, I got to go back again. So then on that Friday of that week, I was like, I'm going to go back in the morning and, and the store opens at 10. So if I get there at 10, there's going to be no line. It's going to be great. I just move Jesus right in. Christ. So I get there at 10 and there's already like 100 people lined up, like way longer than the line. The other day. So I'm like, oh, God. People are lining up for the even more expensive shirt. No, no, this is just, I went back to the, the okay, bathing bathing. store. Okay. Like, nowhere. So, I, so I'm waiting in line. And then I realized, like, okay, and if you go in the morning, the 100 people aren't in the store, so they just move everyone in. So it's a lot quicker. So, like, I got in, like, 15, 20 minutes. Then I was like, okay, I'm going to get this one T-shirt. I want it. And what the way the system worked, which they improved on later, but at that time, they had a rack and one T-shirt was on each they had like a sample of each t-shirt, right? So you grab the t-shirt, then you went to the front and you're like, okay, I want this in large. And so they go in the back and they get you a large and then they would put the t-shirt back. This is the way it worked. Okay. Everyone wanted the same t-shirts. Like they had a bunch of bathing ape t-shirts and they had a money mark t-shirt and stuff. No one wanted the money mark t-shirt. Like people wanted the- Planet of the, the ape shirt. They wanted the ape shirt. With, and, and the one that I wanted like, 
the women came back and she would get mobbed every time she came out. Like literally she would try to put the, like the clerk would try to put the, the things back on the rack and people would just be like, Wah! and like, and she would just like wince and kind of like go back and, and kind of like give a sneering kind of face. And so she dropped this one with like kind of a rainbow stripe on it that I wanted and I just like, boom, just like took it immediately. And everyone around me was like, oh man, you got, you got the shirt. You got the shirt. You got the shirt. Give me and, that. And so I was like, yeah. So I got in line and like, then I, and they brought it back. And I was like, yeah, so I got the shirt. And it was like 5,800 yen or whatever. So I had gotten like a couple of pieces of, of bathing ape. And I think someone gave me like a keychain or something. But like at that point as a kid, like I read like the jeans were like, oh my God, they're like $300 jeans. Like it just seemed like. The most probably, amount of money you could would, possibly spend. On a pair of jeans. Like if yeah. I were, I was an American kid who believed that like, you know, gap prices were just standard around the world. Like a t-shirt is like 1800 It's like eight, $18, $18 or like jeans a pair of jeans like $30, yeah. right? So the idea that like, oh my God, like they have a jacket that's $400 just seemed like, oh my God, this is like the most expensive yeah. brand ever. Must be good if you're paying well, that no, much. I mean, yeah, and, and it had all these really hidden details. Like at that point, people were really obsessed with like going crazy over street culture. So that was the experience of Harajuku in like the late 90s. And the whole thing is like, I think a, a lot of the theory on what was going on, and like it, I'm probably responsible for this to a certain degree, is that like, it was all about the exclusivity, right? Like mm -hmm. they only make oh, like 50 copies of this t-shirt so if you have it like it's cool or whatever but clearly, scarcity right this is you know, how scarcity but yeah. clearly like we can pair parallels to like any kind of collector's market comic totally, books totally. or and, action figures or shoes or whatever it's right? like art what was that the x-men that came out in the bags that everyone bought and now yeah. it's completely worthless holographic covers all that it's it's, it's like that because in create the market of scarcity control but the point, like, Scarcity. in 1998, by the time people were buying Ape, like, in the thing I'm describing, in no way was it only, like, cool kids going there. It was, like, completely mass market. Like, maybe a little bit, like, early adopter. But it was, like, it wasn't, like, kids going, like, I had the shirts and you don't. It was, like, clearly kids who were buying it because everyone else had it at that point. If that makes any sense. So it was scarcity in, in the individual item. Like, I have this item and you don't. But it w the brand itself, like, if you were wearing a bathing ape shirt at that point, it wasn't about, I have a bathing ape shirt and you don't. It was just, like, we all have bathing ape shirts. Aren't we all happy and amazing? Like, it had passed out of being, like, a, a hipster brand that only six okay. people knew. Because, like, I mean, I've been doing, like, some research again on this stuff. And, like, looking at all these articles I had that now that I can read more Japanese, like, just going back and looking at them. And I realized, like... 1996 or whatever, Bathing Ape literally made like six t-shirts. That's all they made. They like made six t-shirts and like six. They like they make six different designs and then they would make like 20 of each. Variations. And, that, and that's it. That's like because like Nigo was a stylist and he was just doing other stuff. And like he just, it wasn't like a serious brand. Like the, the thing that I think people mistake about it is they see it as like this master project from like 1993 he started the brand and then it like it just expanded Grew, to an empire yeah. i think it he just stumbled into success i mean the first three years he didn't make that much product he didn't he wasn't thinking about it like they weren't seriously doing the store like somebody just gave him money to do the store like oh yeah do a store and he did the store at first they didn't he didn't even have any original product he was just like a, selling adidas shoes and stuff and then they made they're like yeah i'll make bathing ape and they the guy who designed it and came up with the name was skate thing who had been working for Good Enough, which is Fujiwara's brand. So it wasn't even like he got new people. It was just like, get the normal people, we'll just make this brand, bathing ape, whatever, we'll have an ape mark. They made like six t-shirts and blah, blah, blah. 
and then kind like, of accidental. And then like 1997, then they were like, okay, we're going to make a full line of clothing. Okay. And that's when it really started taking off. But before then, it was just like, but the t-shirts themselves started getting really big. Okay. And, and at what, that point, it was really scarce. At what point does it kind of cross over into America, into American hip-hop culture, and then becomes this well, like, that's the weird overvalued... Thing. Okay, so that's a weird thing. It's and like, bootlegs and all this kind of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. devaluing that's of like way Urhar later, Juku. right? And so, like, I mean, I always see in two stages. There's like this first stage, which is like Nigo, good, and the other stage well, which is bad. <laughs> well, it's just, I mean, it's in terms of my personal interest, probably. But like, Nigo had like this weird, like Beatles haircut, like this weird, like shag, Cornelius haircut. He wore these like big Buddy Holly. Rent, Frames. He dressed in like total kind of white London and nerdy streetwear huh? kind of style. Anglophile. And yeah, I mean that's the thing too is like they had no interest in America at all. Like, and they would openly say it. And like, and like at least America, like current America, right? Like they only sold in America through Recon because they were friends with Futura and Stash, the guys who run the store, and they they would literally just send send them a box sometimes, and it would have some stuff in it. Like there was no like we're gonna sell in America, and they were totally disinterested. I randomly met Nigo on this hot dog press photo shoot in '98, and I was like, this naive kid, like you should sell your stuff in America. It would be so cool. And he was like, what I say? just completely not interested in that. Yeah, I asked people about that later. It's like, oh yeah, America's like mass market. We just don't. They don't do that. Like we're not interested in that where they really felt an affinity with the British streetwear scene, which was very similar. And so, like, the number one global ally of, of Nigo and Bathing Ape and all these brands in, like, 1997 or 8 was James Lavelle, this guy who run, he ran Moax Records, which was, like, the, you know, the cool trip-hop, okay. like, uncle and uh, DJ Shadow and, like, all oh, that okay. kind of stuff, right? So okay. it's, like, it's like hip-hop, but it's, like, the cool underground white hip-hop stuff. That was like his, that was the guy. Like he wore, James LaBelle always wore Bathing Ape in every photo shoot. He's one of the first foreign adopters, He was you think? absolutely the first one. He's like the only first one. And um, then like Bathing Ape would show up like in Basement, Basement Jacks would be wearing it in, in photo shoots. It was like show up on kind of cool British, there was a store called Hide and Run or Hide Out, Hit and Run, sorry, Hit and Run or Hide Out. And they had licensed Bathing Ape and they were making this shirt called Very Ape UK which is like a super rare thing you can't get anymore but like this is getting really obscure but like they were selling it to like cool British kind of street culture people okay um it wasn't at any level hooked up to like American style hip hop okay so this that continued meaning black people let's just be <laughs> let's be honest about it okay yes absolutely. but eventually they started to like Bathing Ape they. too no, yeah, absolutely. Like, the African-American community had no touch point to Bathing Ape until about 2003. So, like, Bathing Ape's just doing its thing. Like, when I came back in 2000 to do research, like, Nigo was on the cover of, like, three magazines. But it, everyone was like, oh, yeah, ba like, Bathing Ape's over, Urhanjuku's over. Like, anyone cool would be like, that's that's not... Yeah. I've been cool hearing that anymore, for a long right? time, even I mean, though I'm skeptical. But. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone always says that, and you'd be like, he's on the cover of three magazines. How is he not cool anymore? But it's like, well, that's... It's not... I mean, I think he passed out of what we would consider, like, being a cool brand guy and, yeah. like, a mass. He turned into, like, a mass brand guy. Okay. Udahara has so, to be kind of not really on the cover of a fucking magazine, right? Well, no, he was on the I mean, that's the thing. is like, he was. No, but then you've kind, of, you've kind of stepped out of this idea of being, you know, subcultural or, you know. I think subcultural people have started. You're hot. You're no longer cool. He is no longer hot. You're he, cool. He, I think his product can be consumed by too many people and subcultural people and editors and stuff were just not interested anymore but the kids were still interested i would say that way all right so then in 2002 
Somebody sent me a link to like a Bape Pepsi, like fake like Pepsi. Okay. Oh, it wasn't fake. Like a, a pay Pepsi Ape hybrid something. And I was like, and I showed it to people. They're like, oh, this has to be fake because Bathing Ape would never do a thing with Pepsi. I mean, come on. Like, this is subcultural brand number one. Bathing Ape would never do something with Hello Kitty. Right. Or like, yeah. I mean, that, that, it was like. <laughs> All these things that eventually never, would come to pass. Yeah. They would never do something with Pepsi. And then it came out that they were, did this huge campaign with Pepsi. And like every Pepsi can for you know, had a bape camouflage and then dr pepper team up with like uh rock and jelly bean or something like that that's still happening (laughs) still buy rock and jelly (laughs) like they 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 couldn't sell those even like okay no like i can't imagine a drink less popular than dr pepper i I like dr pepper (laughs) i love dr pepper i have no idea who buys that it it doesn't taste as good here it's true it does it tastes like really like thinly bubbled i'll say it that way the point is, like, they did this Pepsi thing, and then that was, like, that was a time when it's, like, okay, you guys have just completely sold out and don't care about being subcultural anymore. And then 2003, when I came back, the gist I got was, like, it was all just, like, kids out in the countryside, and, like, it was just over, like, in Japan. If you were into it, it was, yeah. You, make, you were I, late I had, to the party. I, I think I brought, like, because I, I still had all these bathing t-shirts I had bought over the years, and, like, it, just, it got to a point where you just, I couldn't wear them anymore, which is, like... You're embarrassed to wear that stuff. Yeah, you're, it was just like, it's a little embarrassing to wear this stuff now. Um, but then, I think 2003 to, like, then, uh, wow, Nigo had this show on Space Shower, and I started watching it, and it was just, like, literally, like, the best show ever, because he would be like, here are a bunch of um, Mexican wrestling masks that I have. Here's this one, and he put it, and he has this like giant R2D2 that he just drops it into, and he's like, "Here's this one," and it's like literally ten minutes of him showing you all the wrestling matches he had. Like there, there was the content was just like, "This is how." This is the cool stuff. This that is I'm the cool into. stuff I have, and um, on that like Pharrell Williams like came right, like he came to Japan to, like record a song and like got hooked up with Nigo, and like someone was like, "Yeah, nerd, nerd performed a concert and like." They brought Nigo out on stage, and it's like, okay, that's weird. That's kind of interesting that, like, Pharrell and, and Nigo are, like, hooking up or whatever. And then from there, it just, like, snowballed, and, like, suddenly, like, every hip-hopper had was, like, to have wearing the, a, like, Had to have the you shoes. You watch videos, and people were wearing bathing I have to get those shoes, yeah. man. Yeah. So, and that was, like... But I can't afford the real ones. Yeah. But it was all Pharrell. It was, like, 100% okay. that Pharrell thing. That's, that's what made it happen. And that's okay. all that made it happen. And um, at the same time, it was, like, I think people didn't... No one really had ever caught up with what Bathing Ape was doing in the U.S. besides, like, super completely snobby people, right? So, like, once everyone else was like, oh, this this camo stuff is pretty cool. Or, like, and they'd gotten into really pastel color kind of stuff. And, like, it was cool. Like, I mean, I think Americans had never seen anything like that. And so it makes sense that they would get into it, too, right? But I, the brand had fundamentally changed. Like, the DNA just changed. Like, it, it had nothing to do. And, like, Nigo was not... Was not looking like Buddy Hall anymore. He he had gold. He teeth. had a gold chain and a he had baseball gold hat and a, and, and a skull cap and, <laughs> and, a, and a mouthful of grill. It's just how like, do you like me now? It's right. just like I don't think there's ever been a transformation like that that anyone has taken seriously. Like that is that is like the most amazing second act 
of uh, pop culture I've seen in a long time. Okay. Someone has completely reinvented themselves, and everyone was just like, you are so real. Like, no one ever called okay. it. Now, I think um, the other kind of Harajuku narrative is like Hokuten, which is basically like pedestrian heaven. The which right closed. That, I think I, when I came in 98, I think that had it already last, closed. That was like the, the weekend that closed. Like, I think okay. I, I had never experienced Because people that. say that that was like real, you know, DIY, people making their own stuff and sitting in the streets selling it, you know, kind of like... But I get a sense it, it was all... It was rollers and takenoko, so it was a little on the Yankee tip. Like, I don't get a sense it was cool. Like, what I hear is people were making their own stuff, their own clothes, their own accessories, and selling them in the street in the manner of a flea market. And some of those people would go on to open their own stores. And then yeah. some of those kids that were dressing, you know, in those kind of... Instead of buying stuff off the rack, they were accessorizing kind of used stuff... They were creating their own stuff, and then they would be photographed by this guy for this magazine called Fruits, right? Yeah, I, I mean that—that's totally possible. I mean, I—I—I I, I, I actually don't know as much about that as I maybe I should, but I would say that in general, that the Hokuten, what it's famous for mostly is rollers, right? I mean, okay. it's, the, it's the 50s guys, guys. dressed like yeah, Bonzi, who are just doing like, the peppermint twist. Yeah, totally. Who's right. still there now, but it's... But they're, like, literally 45 years old doing it to put their kids through college or whatever. <laughs> Please, my kid wants to go to KO. So... That's a whole other side. It's, like, the fruits, like, um... But the fruits thing, the fruits thing completely melded with... Street the Snap. Thing. Because, because, like, Cutie was the first magazine to do Street Snaps. Like, okay. I guess maybe Fruits... Maybe, I don't know if Fruits was doing it. Like, Fruits probably was first doing it. Cutie was the first mainstream commercial magazine that incorporated Street Snaps, right? So, and Cutie was completely hooked into the whole Harajuku, Harajuku thing. So, I mean, Harajuku in the 90s was just like, it was first of all like where the cool stuff was, right? Like, it, it there was no, Shibuya had robbed the title in, in the late 80s of being like the place to go that was cool to buy stuff. Because of Parco? Mostly because of Beams, like, you know, that whole Beams, okay. you know, Beams area. area. Yeah. I don't know if United Aeros was there, but like the Beams, you know, Beams and all the select shops. Like, it really had gone... Because, like, the whole Shibukaji thing, again, was, like, a rejection of, like, designers. Because, like, like, the mid-'80s, like, if you liked one designer, you wore head-to-toe that designer. That was, like, the way it worked. And that, and then Shibukaji was a rejection of that and said, we're going to mix. We're going to go to Beams because it's a select shop. And we're going to select stuff for ourselves, blah, blah, blah. And so that mentality kept. So, like, even in the mid-'90s, people were wearing, like, a bathing ape T-shirt with, like, Levi's with... Clark's Wallabies or something like it was it wasn't one head to toe one designer no one really did that so the whole like cutie aesthetic too came out of the Harajuku thing and Harajuku was kind of like the coolest place on you know earth at that point I found some like old issues of, of uh, Popeye and um, Asayan Asayan was like really like the super Ura Harajuku magazine of the 90s in my wife's closet basically she has all these magazine so I went and kind of looked was she into cutie and zipper and stuff she like was that? totally into cutie she was really really super into flipper's guitar okay uh, and so flipper's guitar like had a column in, in Asayan I think here's or, the like, cool record we're like, into I think all the men's magazines she had were just like when flipper's guitar was in there so uh, anyway I've been looking through them and I realized like okay if you compare Popeye now to Popeye in like 1990 five or four or something clearly Popeye now is a lot cooler like it's just way more in touch with global high fashion and designers and stuff I mean it has its own style but it's also like it's just it's way more 
on point and like deeply into fashion. Like it was a little still street and casual at that point. But mm-hmm. in general, like the whole thing was the the expectation was much lower. Or like how much people layer in their styling now. Like now you have to have like ten layers of yeah. stuff in order to look like you even have an outfit on, right? Where like if you look at the pe- way people dressed in 1995 or something in Japan, it was like you just had a t-shirt and jeans and whatever, and that was fine. So like it's gotten out of control about like how much stuff you have to wear. But um, part of the 90s too was just that it was a lot easier to probably dress and, and wear stuff and buy stuff. And I think it escalated to a kind of ridiculous Yeah, point. that's kind of what I hear from people from that scene who kind of retreated because they felt that, you know, the kind of idea of the street snap taking pictures of people wearing crazy clothes was creating kind of an arms race who could be the yeah, most yeah, outrageous, totally. who could be the skinniest. And it was getting unhealthy, basically, yeah. psychologically I, I for think, I think we people. Tend, we tend to, like, extrapolate the past, like based on now like so like if you pick up fruits now it's like these crazy kids right like I think mental we, patients i think <laughs> like literally mental patients i think we tend to think okay 1995 or whenever that magazine started it was exactly like that but i think if you actually go back and look it's probably a lot tamer like there's some point where it just it, it maybe it peaked like four or five years ago but it still escalated and I, I think these magazines are es- like escalating to a certain degree but they're also um like i mean how did you now like uh, we should talk about Harajuku now a bit. I mean, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get into the essence of what, what exactly was going on. I mean, I think the important thing, too, is like Lafore, even like, I mean, Lafore is a pretty crazy place with a lot of crazy brands. And like, I do feel like it's on the cutting edge, maybe not less these days, but like, um, I mean, it's a pretty cutting edge place with a lot of little boutiques and it's a weird layout. And any, any neighborhood that that is your central shopping building has got to be pretty cool, right? Uh huh. And um, the other thing is, like, all these Harajuku brands, even, like, 6% Doki Doki or whatever, like, they're all independent. I mean, they don't have big company. I mean, maybe they have sketchy investors or something, but they don't, they're not, like, huge corporations just Pepsi is not paying everyone's bills. Well, not even Pepsi. Like, it's not like World or Onward or these huge apparel companies is is determining stuff, right? So that was kind of cool. But that's what makes it exclusive, and I really need to get, you know, an authentic shirt from the store. Otherwise, yeah. I'm not. I'm not in this game. Right. I, I can't be cool. And also, I mean, it felt like it was, you know, the insane taking over the asylum, and the fact that like, Nigo and all these guys were just dudes. I mean, they really weren't. They weren't designers. They can, didn't come out of the. I mean, June Takashi. They didn't come out of like cover, fashion. Came school. out of fashion school, yeah. but that's it. Like all his, all all the other guys in that network were all just like, guys who were assistants of Hiroshi Fujiwara, and like, you know. Fujiwara was like, hey, you want here's some money, start a brand, and then he got the money and they started a brand. Like, that was it. Um, so, I mean, I think in uh, outside of Harajuku, I think a lot of people see the rise of those kind of indie brands as some sort of like, uh, you know, after the collapse of the, the bubble economy, that these were young people sort of, instead of realizing there was no place for them to find like lifetime employment at a big company, now is our opportunity to make our own culture and kind of. DIY, right? This we'll make a street culture here in yeah, Harajuku. I, mean, I always, I always hate that argument because I always look at Nigo, right? And Nigo, in 1988 or whatever, decides I'm gonna go to Bunka Fukuso, you know, Bunka, this, the big fashion school in Tokyo. He's from Guma, and he's gonna. St- there was an editorial course, like there was a whole course on like how to become a fashion editor, basically, or how to become an editor. So he went into that, and he was making so much money. He was making like six thousand dollars a month, because this is like the middle of the bubble, right? being like a second rate stylist for fashion magazines like he was an assistant stylist of like he wasn't even a good one or he was like 22 
he was just like writing little columns for magazines heating for, like, hot water he's like if you go back and look at Popeye that era he's like he models in Popeye and like in blackface yeah I have that blackface picture which is pretty funny <laughs> But, like, he was making apparently, like, $6,000 a month doing this, right? And you think about that, like, the reason he didn't, he wasn't like, okay, I'm 22, I better, like, you know, work for Sony or something. is because he was making more money than a guy who worked for Sony would have, right? So, I, my theory is that these guys all went into this stuff because there's so much money in that system. It wasn't that they're like, oh, this bubble... You know, the bubble, I have this opportunity the now the to do what crash, I really want to do. By the time the bubble crashed, these guys were are, are already on their paths. Okay. So, like, in 1993, he was like, hey, you want to start a brand? I guess I'm too busy being a stylist and DJing and all this other stuff and making tons of money. I guess I'll also start, you know, you know, being also having a clothing line. Okay. But it wasn't like it was like, I have no job prospects. I know. I'll, I'll be. I'll, I'll be, do what I really want to yeah, do. I mean, that's insulting. Hobby, I'll turn my hobby that's into That's insulting my job. these guys. I mean, they had already made a big choice to not you know or like Jun Takahashi or whatever it's like the guy was like I want to be a designer and he went to school to be a designer and he came out and he was a designer I mean these guys were set on that path um, do you know uh, I don't think you've ever met Ega but uh, this uh, friend Ega was like a big DJ in that era too and she's like they made so much money like DJing so I mean there was even though the bubble like so you had a crash in the bubble let's say like 93 culturally it started happening but it was like it's still there's too much money in the cultural system like you could do all this stuff like DJing and stylist styling the faucet did not turn off and you would just make ridiculous amounts of money I mean if you write for Japanese magazines now you get paid nothing I mean if you're a stylist now you get paid nothing unless you're one of the big guys and I bet you get paid way less than Nigo got in 1991 but like so the whole idea like oh like we're gonna turn our eyes to culture now it's like well no the whole bubble funded culture and then that culture funded people to make a career out of it and if you look now when there is i mean there's no way to like make money going into a big company anymore and you can't even get in a big company where's all the where's the whole creative talent now it's like you just don't see it because it's it's just it doesn't work like that well i you still see a lot of people in harajuku looking for stuff i mean what do you recommend now that people check out Give us some hope here. I mean, I would. I, I mean, it's hard to think about Harajuku now. It's just like I mean, there's still stores there. Yeah, yeah selling mean, cool okay. clothes. That was the thing about Urahajuku that kind of seemed ridiculous is that like Urahajuku is this very defined, closed, small region, right? Like it's this geographical space, and there is people who have that ethos, I would say, but they don't exist in this plot of land that we have. Like for Tokyo Eye, it's like you had to walk around this area, and and like Cat Street, for example, has some cool stuff, but like. It's not like that is it a Harajuku. Um, I took you in North Hollywood. That's a pretty cool store. Is it Mr. Hollywood? Mr. Hollywood's the name of the store, and North Hollywood's the name of the brand. Okay. But it's up, you know, that's, that's not... It's behind Amotosando Hills. It's Amotosando Hills. Yeah. In a really weird place. Yeah, but it took still. me a while to find it. Yeah. But and I cool felt like, oh, where? how can I find this place? Oh, I heard about this really cool store. I have to go. Yeah. Oh, I my mean, God. Is this it? Yeah. I that, go inside. That to me, Here I am. That to me feels. Look, these jeans cost like $200. Right, right. That to me feels exactly like the model of Urahajuku. But it's way more designery. They do fashion shows. He's got, it used to be kind of like vintage streetwear. And now he's gotten into really super like conceptual like high design kind of stuff like his fashion show I didn't see this one but the one that was in uh, spring I guess um, was all like obsessed with like 1930s 1940s like 
big metropolitan like f- the fountainhead kind of design and stuff and like it was really like like big shoulders it was like huge stuff. shoulders and like and big pleated pants and it was like you know it was it was being like who you the know, fuck is gonna wear this exactly it was like who's gonna wear this and then if you looked at the, the the collection as it actually came to the store he toned it down and made it where people would actually wear it but the point is like he's doing big idea stuff in the way that Urahajuku was just like we just make cool streetwear with cool graphics like it, it wasn't conceptual or any of that kind of stuff yeah. so um, besides Undercover but Undercover was never really a Urahajuku yeah. brand but the point is like there's cool stuff in that area like um, I mean, I think all the main Harajuku brands are pretty boring. Undercover has moved away from that world, and, and, and everyone really likes it. I mean, I think it's a very, it's a, it's a very specific taste. Yeah. But like, people in Europe love it, and, and pe- some people in Japan really love it. But um, I like Hare, but I can't wear it because well, Hare and Rage I'm, Blue and those and the, yeah, those, those are nice. But those brands are cheap. And they are, um, they're really shrunken. I mean, they're yeah, really Yeah, I can't wear them. I can't wear them. You have to be a skinny, you have to Japanese, be a skinny guy. Japanese guy to yeah. wear them. But they're really. They're nice. I like to go in there and look at the stuff because it's cool. It's and like, I, it's I go, like cool okay, all right. stuff for the lowest possible price point that they I mean, it's, it's really like it's competitive to Uniqlo or any of these stuff, but it's much more targeted towards. Oh, the problem I mean, is, I think 90% of tourists who come to Harajuku only walk down to Keshtadori and they go, oh, this is Harajuku. This yeah, is Harajuku. I mean, and I, I want to. Unless you're a 13-year-old girl, Takashidori does. Uh, literally, I mean, no, literally. Like, unless you're a 13-year-old girl, it doesn't have anything to offer anybody. But I think most people go and they, oh, this is Harajuku, and I really want people to but kind of explore around. But even in 1995 or something, Takashidori wasn't anything, right? Like Takashidori, that was the 80s. That was like until 1989 or something. That was the place to go, and then Urahara. Urahara, yeah. there was nothing there. I mean, like, it was absolutely nothing there, and then like. Maiden World and Vintage King and some of these stores opened and then nowhere opened and then it kind of took off but like it was literally just like a grassy residential area like there was nothing there now it's developed I mean when I go shopping in Harajuku I these days I tend to go if you go come out of Takashidori and you take a left Mm -hmm. there's like beams and yard arrows Mm -hmm. and those are big stars but that I mean to be honest like I've been really into the select shops these days because the select shops do really on-trend cool stuff with great materials and you know like if you want to you know real authentic stuff they'll make like shoes with Alden and all these like crazy authentic American brands or whatever they do all this super authentic Americana kind of stuff better than Americans better Americans like Beams Plus is like if you want like to look like a professor from 1968 like that is that's the place to do it and like that stuff's great, and it's not super. They they really come down in price even because they know this year like people just can't spend as much. Like the price point just dropped like a rock from last year this year, um, and they they put they bring in cool brands and like they have cool stuff, but their their taste and their brands are great. So like, I I end up going to United Arrows and and Beams and Ships and and those places mm-hmm, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and on sale, the the prices are just completely unbeatable. So. That's kind of. I mean, I think that's that's kind of the original Japanese fast fashion, and I think it's still a lot better than all these big. You know, I mean, Forever Twenty One and H and M have huge lines, and yeah, I mean, that's where the action was last time I was there. It's like that's where the Japanese people were hanging out. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a weird kind of anomaly at the moment, but you don't um, think it's sustainable and it's not going to last? Well, it's not. It can never last the way that like it's never going to get bigger. Like it's never going to get more lines at Forever Twenty One. Like it's all these things. You know, are obviously like a boom but like yeah but Uniqlo is not a boom 
Uniqlo's like, I feel do. that's the no, new Uniqlo's normal. Is, is Uniqlo's the, the new normal. But also, I don't go to Uniqlo stores. I mean, there's, it's, they're packed, but they're not like... I mean, I've been to a Forever 21 where there's literally like wall to 200 wall. people wall-to-wall in the store. But like that will never happen with Uniqlo because it's not overhyped. It's just people... And it's ubiquitous. It's just like, I need socks. I'll go in and buy Uniqlo. Like, we're like, oh, $10 for four pairs of socks? Yes, I'm, I'm all over that. Like, you can't beat it. So, I think the Forever 21 and the H&M thing is somewhat of a I mean how much how much they can adapt their stuff to be what Japanese people want to wear is the question um, Forever 21 it's looking pretty successful so far I have to say I have to say no one thought Forever 21 would do good because they came in basically with no strategy and then no they, they kicked H&M's ass like pretty much right away H&M. right? and because I mean my theory on this is H&M came in and said we have come to Garçon we're doing a collection with come to Garçon we're like high fashion for cheap and and people in japan now are like who cares about high fashion like we want we wear gyaru stuff and we want stuff that fits in that world and forever 21 came in with only this very weak branding of like la celeb cheap style and that fits perfectly within that gyaru world and so then you could go to forever 21 and buy something and not feel like it's like well that's for high fashion cool people whatever now, meanwhile in new york people are wearing H&M, Forever 21, and Uniqlo. At least the people, I mean, I, I don't even know these people personally, but I, I kind of peek around a little bit and see what people but are talking that's, about. But that's because that's the price point the Americans always wear. You know, like, they're embracing not the, you know, the kind of, they're embracing the internationalization of... Well, I think Uniqlo is, is, is um, absolutely, like, blowing people's minds now because, like, in the U.S., you can get, like, a Jill Sander designed really nice like slim jam- I mean that's the thing is like all these all these brands like Gap or whatever you like they're mass retailers so they have to make stuff for that fits Americans right and so like Americans are generally bigger so the like, stuff's just cut big where like Uniqlo is like all cut for Japanese people so it's slim and like if you live in New York you're probably slimmer than you are if you live in Nebraska or whatever it's just true right like and so like New Yorkers are going in there and be like wow finally like a mass cheap brand that fits like that, that isn't too big so I mean, I think these Japanese brands actually have a lot of, like, promise, um, especially Uniqlo, but, like... But I think as much as, like, Americans... Uniqlo's not a Harajuku thing. It's, like, a... No, 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 no. But, I mean, it's, like, I feel like Americans are kind of hungry. Some of Americans are hungry for exciting new fashion from Japan. And they point to Harajuku and they say, that's where, you know, street... That's Japanese street culture fashion. I mean, you know, there's a time gap. There's... That might have been yeah. true. No, but I would say for people example, want it. I'm not saying it's not there, but they they want it, and what's exported tends to be of the Uniqlo variety, not necessarily beams or ships or interesting. Well, you know, like when I read GQ or any of these like super fashion blogs now. What's trendy jeans right now in America? It's Uniqlo, right? Well, yeah, but like for even in Japan too. Like I always come, I'm like, where are those jeans from? They're like great. Like, oh, it's Uniqlo. Like, you, like <laughs> everyone's wearing fucking Uniqlo. I know. I can spot it a mile away now. Um, but like, I'll say this like. When I read GQ and all these like high fashion blogs or whatever, you, they just obsess with beams and like all these Japanese or like a brand, huh. a brand like Haversack, which is like this really small indie brand, because they just make all this heritage. They just make stuff that like Americans, Americans don't make anymore. anymore. Yeah. Like, or have you ever seen like um, American Keds? They make like one pair of shoes. Like they only make that one Keds. But then in Japan, like Keds Japan makes all these amazing shoes, like that you can't get in the U.S. or whatever. So like. Americans are trying to figure out like these small brands make really. Cool They've lost stuff. their own culture. And like, if you in fact, to, you ha- if you want the real shit, you have to go to Japan now. Right now, like in globally, the trend for this season is like really like 
uh, earthy country. Like for men, it's like it's like if you were dressing like you went to your country home. So it's like lace-up leather boots and tweed and you know that kind of stuff, right? And so who does that better than anyone? It is like Beams Plus or like or for women like Beams Boy, which is like the it's like the female version of that like Americana stuff and um just no one in america can compete yeah with that. you can't get it or you, like you, you physically cannot you get it in america it. anymore and yeah. it like doesn't and like or like for example when i went home like i was like oh like bass like when i was a kid i used to wear bass that would be cool to wear some like get some bucks suede bucks or something like that'd be kind of a hoot and then you go in there they don't make that like they make these monstrosities in suede that don't look like the shoes anymore it's like you made you made the same shoe for 50 years, and they're like, yeah, that's just, we just don't make that anymore. And so now all those brands are trying to bring back their heritage stuff okay. because they're realizing. Uh, but Japan's like just had that stuff forever. So, so like, GQ's all over it, so maybe this will be the next wave, is people re-importing Americana via Japan. I, mean, I think the American brands are getting smarter at just doing it themselves. So like... You know, LL Bean this year is about to come out with the Norwegian, uh, it's just their Norwegian sweater, which is like their staple that they got rid of, and then they're they're deciding to bring it back for themselves. So I think the American brands have gotten smart, because it, it's easy. They have the patterns, mm-hmm. and, you know, they can just it's make it property. again. It's, it's their, their IP. It's their IP. It's just like we just blew it by, stop ma- by becoming this mass brand that doesn't make the cool stuff anymore. But like... Um, I, I just don't know how these... If this... I don't know how excited the world will get about the fact that Japanese make American brands better than American. Yeah, it's kind of like the 80s. It's like we sort of bought, you know, Rockefeller Plaza or something like that. Well, like with with Bathing Ape, whatever, it's like they created a, they took the paradigm of street fashion like the Stussy and all these brands did and they just took it to a completely different level. Well, I mean, that was like the whole idea in the 80s is that Japanese people could not be cool because they were imitating American pop culture badly. Like you read Dave Barry Does Japan and it's like these quote rock and rollers Dancing in Harajuku are not, they think they're cool, but right. they're not cool because they're not authentically American, right? But now we're entering some new paradigm where authentically cool things come. Hip-hop kids want bathing ape stuff. I mean, I don't Japan. know if that's true anymore. Anymore, but that phase did happen. That phase was pretty incredible. And now if you're but saying the kind of GQ, the like, like Ivy I, League white people want, if they want authentically Ivy League white people right. stuff, they're going to have to go to Japan to get like, or they're at least really impressed with what Japan is doing. Um, I mean, I think, I think bathing apes, the 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 embrace of that by Americans was a legitimate interest. I mean, because bathing ape was just on a different level. Like they were just better at making that stuff than any other brand had been because they had been doing it for so long. So it was before the Planet of the Apes remake, right? Uh, actually, after a little bit of nostalgia. That, there, you I know think, that though. Planet of the Apes is completely forgettable, right? No, it's terrible. But I mean, I I, I mean, I, I completely forgot that that even existed. If someone asked me, like, did they ever remake Planet of the Apes? I'm like, I don't think so. I think was there a Star Wars prequel? Was there, like, <laughs> what? Um, yeah, I remember that not being Planet of the Apes had been something that people had kind of forgotten, right? And then like you see, well, it just felt like this cheesy kind of thing. And then like, but in Japan, apparently the whole. This is kind of this weird thing. It's you know Cornelius named himself Cornelius, right? And then Planet the, and then Bathing Ape came out about the same time. And there's always been this argument like, did Nigo rip off Cornelius? But like really, literally, like, they came up with a thing at the same okay. time because it's there like had did the been, swamp thing rip off the man thing? Right. There had been a Bathing Ape. Uh, sorry, there had been a Planet of the Apes um, 
marathon on film TV? festival yeah like okay. they're like on tv they'd shown all five movies in a row and they both like nigo and Cornelius both watched at the thing. same time and so they both had like been like oh that's kind of a thing to, good thing to rip that's off. pretty messed up I mean, it's also funny that like 20th century fox never went after these guys i see in america people interested in japanese street fashion because of the lack of anything interesting in you know in american pop culture well, there's right nothing now. there's no parallel to 1990s Harajuku cutie fashion in America. Like if you're into that, that it doesn't matter if it, it it doesn't matter if it's not at its peak right now. It's still this subculture that is new and exciting and that it remains yeah. to a certain degree. Like six percent Doki Doki still doing the same stuff after all these years. And if you're into that, you can wear it and be into it. Like I don't want to take anyone away from that, but I mean. I want to see Japan respond to the global interest in Japanese street fashion, but I don't. But what does that mean? Like, what is uh, what? They're going to be like, oh, you like six percent Doki Doki? I guess we're going to have to buy it now. Well, like, the only people who have seized upon that interest has been Uniqlo, pretty much. That they that's not interest. They're just trying to become a mass, a global mass retailer. No, but I mean, like the product line is they don't cut big American sizes. They sell openly Japanese product. I mean, it's like you can buy the Shonen Jump manga T-shirts. Right. Uh, no, that's true. I mean, they, they, and they, they had... They're responding to this. They sense that there's a, this Japan cool kind of vibe out there, and they're yes. more than happy to kind yes. of supply it to people like, who want it. I think the big sign that's in Soho is like, it's in, written in Katakana or something, right? It's not even... What does it say? I mean, it says Uniqlo, but it's just like written in the Katakana okay. for it. Okay. I get your point, but I would say... Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what... How small what Japan brands can, do. can yeah. do about it, and I mean, the, a lot of these small Japanese brands too. It's like they only make Japanese sizes. Um, they'll go to Paris and show, and it's like no one can fit into their stuff because it's just like they they have to make. It's their, unflattering, I know personally. Well, yeah, it's just like they have to make different sizes, and and they're not they don't have a big enough production run to really do that. Um, it's just a lot of. I mean, it's, it's a lot of boring business problems. I think it's not really like a conceptual problem. I just think it's like really concrete nuts like nuts and bolts kind of stuff and um bathing ape it was easier to move over because they just made literally t-shirts and jackets and stuff and shoes and trainers right yeah i mean that's a lot easier to do than when you're making like corsets <laughs> that parasols too, but, but like even like you know very skinny ass jeans high de- you know high designed jackets and like i mean i can't wear a, a north hollywood suit to save my life it's yeah. just way too skinny like maybe i could have five years ago but Every time I try on the pants, it's just like, am I this fat? Like, I've never thought of myself as fat, but, like, you just can't fit in the pants. Yeah. It's getting harder and harder with each passing year. Um, so, like, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, that's the thing. I, 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 I felt pretty, pretty bad about this kind of stuff, but I think in the last year with this weird kind of um, neo-trad, American trad boom that's been going on, like, in the U.S., uh, and the fact that they've recognized that Japan is kind of like the global uh-huh. leader in this mm-hmm. thing um, makes me be like, oh, okay, so Japan, I mean, Japan is still the country, I think, where more people are just interested in, in dressing up, you know. The to, details. The details, but also, like, even though they're wearing, you know, Forever 21 or H&M or they're padding things with Uniqlo, and they're they're just still putting together incredibly complex wardrobes with complex signifiers and cultural meanings and things in a way that Americans just aren't. And so American, if you read GQ and all this, Americans 
there's this whole like boom of like American men trying to like dress better. Like it's like we're gonna start dressing well now instead of dressing like slobs. And it's like completely so. It's like 20 years behind Japan, right? And they're realizing like there is a lesson to learn from Japan on how you do this kind of stuff. So I think there's been a notice now in the U.S. Okay, Japan is kind of ahead of us in this thing that we're trying to do. The alert's um, gone out. There's, but the same, there's an amber alert. At the same time, if you talk to Japanese editors, like who are the coolest d- world designers, nobody would say a Japanese brand. No one would say Beams. I mean, they're not a designer, but they wouldn't even say, like, John Lawrence Sullivan. I mean, they, th- they probably like John Lawrence Sullivan, but they, they wouldn't consider that to be, like... Well, you ask anyone in Harajuku, hey, what's happening? What's going on right now? And everyone goes, oh, nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Nothing. I mean, I, I think... You maintain the pose of, like... But that's the thing. is like, even a brand like John Lawrence Sullivan, you can't be everybody thinks it's cool or something, anymore. it doesn't sell well enough. And it, it didn't sell that much better than last year where you're like, this is a brand on the rise, right? There's no brands on the rise. Just because, like, because the way the market is, no brand is ever going to rise. Like, this, everything is stacked against you. Well, it's Uniqlo. It's, it's Uniqlo's Uniqlo is the world only, now. I mean, yeah. So, like, we just live in when it. I read, like, Marketing Journal, like, it, it, every month they'll have, like, a here's, like, all the mass retailers and here's what their sales were compared to last year of this month. They're all negative. They're all negative except for Uniqlo, which is up, like, 10%. Like, so it's not like Uniqlo and some of these other ones are selling well. It's like United Arrows and Point have opened new stores and therefore their sales are technically larger but same store sales like last year they're down except for Unicol. Unicol is up every what single time what about American Rag American Rag C yeah. C or whatever it is um, they didn't even factor into it I don't think those I think those stores are all struggling just because no one's buying anything well it Uniqlo. used to be like the basics you would buy at Beams and now it's like why would I buy a hundred dollar shirt when I can buy it for forty dollars I mean like I was looking for like car- cardigans and I would go to like edifice and all these select shops and they were all they were all uniformly 10,000 yen right like everywhere you went and then I went to Uniqlo and they had the exact same one and it was 4,000 yen and it was great like, I still need a suit jacket I, I tried to go to Uniqlo I tried to get the J plus or whatever and it plus just J. Uh, plus J J plus J low J row I believe is another popular J row J A Y R O. I love that that's like the best name ever J row I love it Okay. Um, I've even seen like you know polls like they ask they ask young people like if you had money suddenly what would you buy? Okay. And number what is one that? is computers. Huh? Because people want computers because they realize like you can't do anything with a mobile phone. Five years ago you can't rip this, a DVD. With yeah, a you mobile can't. Phone? Well, there, there's this whole thing like oh Japanese people don't need computers because their cell phones are so amazing and now people are like oh on a computer you can do all this stuff wow like and it's free basically <laughs> wow I'll totally want a computer so people want computers and number two is uh, fashion. Like, people still want to buy clothing. People still want to look good. Yeah, yeah Tokyo, that, that has not yeah, changed. Okay. It's just that I would say... What's that, broken down? It's just that that whole complex of, like, the super cool people who are just... Spend a lot know, of money. Influenced by international design. Tastemakers are, are no longer makers, leading the charge. No longer leading the charge. It's, it's, it's Gyaru and Yankee and that kind of stuff. Which is interesting. I think for us, think we're fine with that, yeah. right? But I think the, the, the system has been shocked that they don't get that that's happened nobody really understands that okay like they still think like we had this cool designer do something why don't people (laughs) care about that like nobody cares they'll keep throwing the same dart at the same place on the board so when H&M did this come to Garcon thing like it got a lot of attention obviously everyone went crazy everyone was like oh my god this is like the yeah this this will but I think that it kind of just it, it went and disappeared. Like I never see people wear that stuff. Like I think it literally like attracted all these people who live out in the countryside 
who always wanted to buy Comme des Garçons, they couldn't afford it. They all came in, they ascended upon the stores, they bought the hats, they bought the scarves, they bought anything that was unsized, they all went back, they sold half of it on eBay, or on Yahoo Auctions or whatever, right? Like, they sold it, and then they wore it or whatever, but like, I don't get the sense that like, I never see anyone, I, 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 I knew all the products in that, like I just had been seeing them in, in magazines and seen them in the stores, like I knew what the products looked like. Never seen anyone never walking around. Never seen anyone wear any of that stuff. And like, I think it just disappeared. And I don't think that people then were like, oh, now I'm going to shop at H&M because they had to come to Garcon. Like if, well, what I get a sense is happening right now is that like the people who were interested in high fashion and all that stuff, they have, they're the ones who've been sucked into H&M or uh, Uniqlo. Okay. When, but the people who are in the subcultural Yankee and Gallo stuff, they're just they're in their own brand. So those brands are doing relatively well compared to the cool okay, brands who are really getting hurt by H and M and Uniqlo. Uh, people maybe are buying one piece from these big brands, but I just no one can afford it. I okay. mean, I mean, what I hear from people who live and work in Harajuku is that basically you've got a bunch of Chinese tourists coming yeah, in yeah, and yeah, buying yeah, everything yeah. up. They're the yeah, nouveau riche absolutely. that they're yes. kind of keeping the wheels turning. It's not where the Americans just kind of come and want to take pictures of people dressed right, funny right. and shit they but it's anything. they don't buy anything not at all. because they're the wrong size or they don't know how to start or they're you know, not they're so they're they're on a consumer it's too expensive player. it's like oh my god a used vintage t-shirt for forty dollars this is crazy i you mean know? a forty dollar t-shirt to america still sounds like crazy. no it is crazy and, and, and they, they and won't buy it and there's but, no forty dollar t-shirts in Harajuku. they're all sixty dollars but you will have truckloads of chinese tourists bless them now, coming in, in and throwing down or whatever then yeah like you would walk around and, like they're all chinese and then when the recession started, it was like, okay, and then there's no more Chinese. But now the Chinese consumers are rebounding. It sounds like they're really rebounding. And so now I think it's going to come back to that. And so, yeah, Harajuku will be a neighborhood that caters to Chinese shoppers. And because, like, Taiwanese and Hong Kong kids are super into bathing ape and all those Harajuku brands. I got to say, in, in San Francisco, Japantown, you see, like, the, the most well-dressed people there are the Chinese kids because mm. there's no Japanese there anymore yeah, yeah. but um, they've completely are aping these st- bathing aping they're really 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 studying and you know imitating it at a very high level I think it's it's not a hundred percent but I mean, I've been in they're, like, they're putting some time and effort in Paul into Smith it in Harajuku where I'm standing behind what I think are three Japanese kids and they start speaking Chinese right so like that that experience happens a lot because you, you can't tell I mean that, that's the thing people talk about immigration like Japan can never deal with immigration because these people won't assimilate or whatever it's like are you serious like all I see all the time are like people who look perfectly Japanese in style wise and everything who like then they'll have the name tag and it'll be like Kim or something right so like this this society is already completely assimilating you know, Asian immigrants, and it just like refuses to admit it. Or if you ever, you've been, have you ever been to um, Shinagawa, the the immigration immigration? Yeah, center? I have been there. Unfortunately, I mean, like you see all these girls who look Japanese, who are all from, from different countries, countries around right? the world. Yeah, and they've just completely assimilated into the like Japanese. They do the style. eye makeup. Yeah, they wear absolutely. the boots. Yeah, they so have like, the skirt. That's one thing I don't. I mean, fashion's like one of the f- things you can t- you can tell immigrants, you know, to a certain degree, and like. If they're perfectly copying Japanese style, they're probably also living a pretty Japanese lifestyle, right? I don't know. I mean, working at a company, for instance. Yeah, but fashion makes me pretty like optimistic about immigration. Like, I think, I think it's just not as dire of a cultural shock as the people think it will be. Okay. Like, oh my God. They won't be able to. If okay, if, yeah. if Japanese society is five percent Chinese and they all dress like Japanese people, like who will know? Like no one will know. <laughs> 
It just won't low be, impact. I just don't think it's that big of a deal. And like, if you go to Latiria, if you go to Burger King and Shibuya, like all the people who work there are, are Korean, like almost every single one. But so what? Like, it doesn't. There's no difference in experience. It's still Burger King. I'm it's kind still of the great I'm kind of pro of immigration. I gotta say. No, I so am I. I need to get a visa. But I just don't. I, just, I mean, I'm pro immigration, but not just like Japan has to change and Japan will change when immigrants come in. It'll become more. This international. Japan Japanese only sign must go down. <laughs> this non-existent Japan only sign. But like, I think that people will assimilate. At H and M, there's a sign that says Japanese only. If you try to get in there, <laughs> I don't think that exists. Um, I don't know. I I think. Uh, and fashion's yeah. the way to do it. But that's the, the, that's the whole thing is Ginza and Harajuku, the Chinese customers will be a huge part of the sales so i mean that's the thing it's like and chinese companies know this too it's like japan has a fashion lead over china and and china wants to embrace that they i don't i think chinese companies don't they're not like we're gonna catch up and we're gonna they're like we're gonna use it we're gonna use this lead to develop products and send them back to china so um the good news is that china may be if china actually China respects Japanese style and looks at Japanese style, which there's a good chance that that will happen, I think, um, instead of Europe or America or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then that could put a lot more money back into Japan. But I don't think it will necessarily put money into, like, Japanese brands like Beams that are creating, like, American heritage brands. I think it will put money into Gato brands and... More... Uh, <coughs> less less high... Less, gotcha, yeah. I less coolness... Saying. So what I can know. we do? So I, 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 I gotta say I'm feeling pretty, um, I'm feeling pretty optimistic. I don't, I don't know if super optimistic, but I'm, I think I'm, I've, I've never heard you say that before. I'm feeling in all the times we better, I'm feeling better about it, and I, and half of it is you've gone when from I, when bad I came, all the way okay. through good, well, back to bad. Yeah, again. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think some of that's that, like working through my demons or whatever. But like, I mean, I came here, I was really into music, and music completely collapsed to a point where like I just don't pay attention anymore. Like there was a list of like. Ten, 10 artists won like at the Golden Disc Award or whatever that thing is like they won best new artist and I was like quizzing everyone I knew who worked in the music industry like have you ever heard of any of these artists and Jero was on there and I've heard you know everyone knows Jero and that's it like the rest the other nine like they've never scored big hits no one's ever no heard tie-ups. of them like there's no new artists like it's just a completely dead system so like once you've killed that dead limb off the cultural tree like then you're like okay so music's over so what exists and I think you know, fashion stores are closing. Like Versace left, but like, when's the last time anyone bought yeah, Versace? Yeah, international in Japan? brands. Like, I mean, I don't. That's not the future. I mean, it just. I I just don't think that was. I think that was like this big store. Like, oh my god, Fringe Connections closing all the stores. When's the last time anyone wore or went to Fringe Connection in, the, in Japan? Like, th- these these were brands who were who were dying already. Like, it's not like. It's not like Gucci just like clothes shop. Like those Gucci is fi- like probably not doing well, but it's not about to close all its shops. Um, so you I just th- don't see a lot of people walking around with international brand shopping bags. You know what I mean? Everyone's got yeah. either a, a weird kind of gal brand or Buffalo Bob's. Thanks very much. Or uh, H&M or Forever 21. I see a lot. Or of Uniqlo. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's the, that's the way it works in most countries, right? <laughs> like, if you go to France, it's not like, hey, I'm this working-class kid. I'm going to go to Louis Vuitton and spend all my savings on one wallet. Like, that just doesn't happen. That was a weird thing for Japan to have. So basically, we should watch this thing you did for Tokyo Eye, because you basically no, say all this except in 10 minutes. I don't say minutes. any of this stuff. I may, I'm like, this is a super rare. Like, we went to Heat Wave. 
And Heatwave um, is interesting because Heatwave used to it used to sell all the old Harajuku. Like, so you'd have one season of Bathing Ape, right? We'll, we'll, Heatwave will wrap up this discussion. So, like, you'd have a shirt from 1999. If you want to sell it, you would sell it to Heatwave. And Heatwave would sell for more than it was sold for. So, like, I bought some shirt at Heatwave one summer that was, like, some Bathing Ape reversible shirt that was, like, $120 or something. It was just, yeah. and it was, like, one season old. But it was just, like... Whatever. So that's the way Heatwave worked. It, yeah. And then Heatwave started being weirder and weirder in the sense that it was like pristine t-shirts that clearly no one had ever worn. That my theory is that, and I don't have any evidence to back this up, but it feels like those brands are selling their excess leftover okay. stock to Heatwave to sell as uh, profit. Yeah. leftover, right? And and Heatwave may even be in the 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 business circle of these other they brands. They get a cut. I don't, I don't, I don't have any. Is I, it a conspiracy theory? It's a conspiracy. It just that's what it, if you go in the stores, that's what it feels like. And that's what it feels like the, where they got these clothes from. Like, or I, because I asked them like, do you have any super rare like old bathing ape shirts like anymore? And they're like, yeah, those don't really sell. And then they he brought some out and he was like, here's one. He was like a shitty, rotting t-shirt from 1994. <laughs> like this is what it looks like. Um, the lords of overstock. But the, yeah, so these lords. Sorry, but I went in there and they were just like, you know, I don't, I don't want to. They weren't like being like just make up something, but they were like, "Can you talk about this like pair of jeans?" And like, I just don't know anything about this stuff anymore. And so I was like, "This pair of jeans from neighborhood are really rare." And like, it just, it just like all felt really forced, and like didn't feel like what I want really wanted to be doing. But uh, it, I mean, they went to six percent Doki Doki, which is pretty good. And we talked to some other brand that's probably doing all right that's on the corner, but like. It just, it just, you have to force it a bit to make Harajuku sound like it's happening. I mean, it's just it's not. It's just not. There's still a lot of people there. Well, no, I, I mean, the, uh, you walk down to Monte Sando and the amount of people, you know, with cameras waiting for street snaps, you know, are like. Oh, yeah, that corner. It's crazy. There's, every time I go there, there's but more. There's, like there's more photogs. Yeah, there's more photogs. And like once, oh, when I was on that shoot, I was like, let's ask one of the people who's. So I was like, hey, can I, I'm working for, NH-. they were like, don't say it's NHK. And so I was like, all right. Um, I was like, hey, I'm working for this international I'm working for Burger crew. King. <laughs> can I please, uh, can, you, can you tell I'm me about for your Pepsi. job? And she was like, no, like, I'm on my job. Like, leave me alone. Like, they were like really hostile towards me. Huh? Quizzing them. But like, um, yeah, there's still that stuff. I mean, I think the gap, that gap is closing. I feel like all the machinery is still else. there. It's still in place. I mean, I never saw it's Harajuku a, a before the Hokuten. It's a slow decline. It's not like, it's not a, maybe it's 10%, 20% decline uh, from where it was, but it was. it's a 1% decline a year. So it's not like, okay. it's not like nothing exists. It's not like you go there and it's tumbleweeds, but there are more open, there are more open spaces. That's now. true. The closing there. of the Bathing Ape Cafe kind of killed that whole strip. There's still Erostica or whatever, what, um, Rock and Jelly Beans shop is on that same block as Bathing Ape mm. Cafe, but I think Babe Kids goes too or something <laughs> like I don't know. I mean, the, a lot of those superfluous Babe Babe Cuts still open, probably not. Um, I was gonna get a pair of trainers. Salon, you know, you don't really need that. <laughs> um, make this a broader discussion. Don't you feel like you've been drawn to fashion because it's like the one of the things that's still going strong? Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, you weren't into clothing at all I mean I wasn't I mean Japan got me I've always been like a fucked up torn jeans black converse and like a black t-shirt since I was right. like a teenager right. right I mean I'm do you see me I mean I'm still wearing the same thing right now I, I yeah but you I got, like look, go, look at these like quilted I got some kind of quilted converse, kind of cool converse on now but 
you go into those spaces and it's 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 kind of uh, I don't know how to explain it. Retail in Japan is the, it's a whole other yeah. level. No, but you know what I mean? You're like going it's it's, you're That's going what, into like almost a theatrical kind of experience right, with right. the level of presentation in a, in a shop. But as someone who's interested in culture and wants to you see have to eventually culture, go you there. You eventually kind of fall into the the whole. I world. did. I, I, I'm, I'm trying did. to tell Matt to put down the, you know the Hawaiian shirt with sushi on it and you know put some <laughs> get some Gatsby wax or something, but. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, it's, it's, hard, hard it's hard for Americans. I, it's to, hard you know, in Americans. It's, yeah. Because I think there's actually like this philosophical problem with fashion. Because it seems like. What is that? Well, I think people think it's gay. Them, that, <laughs> I know that may be part of it, but also they think it's like a conspiracy, or it's like make well, you buy stuff. If you that buy you it don't. now, it's just going to be out of fashion next year or whatever. Which is true for some stuff. So it's but a not trick. Everything. Fashion's a trick to make Fashion's you buy things, things you, you don't things you don't need. need. Or okay. it's like a, a way. It's like an aristocratic thing that's not democratic or whatever. Like I think there's there's some legitimate complaints against how fashion works, but like I don't. I think things are so fractured, some cultural right now, that you're not going to be wearing something that's like this is in this year and this is not going to be in next year. Like you can tell what what trends. It's not are. a monolithic trend. Yeah. That like people, I mean, I just even looking like at Harajuku, like this people, year everything black. Like Yaru still are in the leopard print. That's not going anywhere. They'll always be in. the I said there's print. more leopard print now. Anyway, I mean, it was it, it was in style two years ago, but it's still all over the place. Like that's never going. Military anywhere. stuff. I don't see girls wearing it, but it's still in the stores. Well, right now, like the thing for kind of non Gyaru girls is this Morty Gyaru, like this forest forest girl. girl. Thing. Yeah. Um, and I see a lot of that kind of stuff. And that feels that, that feels to me like what Yudo Nachu was like two or three two years ago, whatever, which was like this very specific thing they'll be in only this year. And there's stuff like that, but at the same time, like if you buy a white Oxford cloth shirt that fits you, that's never going out of style. Like the way that they're selling it is like this is a classic. Like you, you can't go wrong with. These are the fundamentals. Like you, you got to wear something. No one will be like, "Are you wearing a white shirt that fits? Are you out of your <laughs> mind?" Like that's that's permanent. How ostentatious. And so like I, I feel like right now is like a good time to probably get get into it if you're gonna get into it. But at the same time, like I a lot of people do have a resistance to it. But if you're interested in culture in Japan, yeah. it's like an area yeah. which is incredibly interested yeah. and I, there's I like it. And there's diversity and there's ideas and there's innovation and there's product diversity and there's sorrow, there's pity, drama, there's tragedy, dra- yeah, no, comedy. Yeah. Where like music there isn't. I mean they're just I would say music there's a lot of really lame indie bands and <laughs> terrible J pop. Like that's about it. Yeah. And and then like Shugo Togumaru who's amazing or like one person who's like incredible but like there's not like a lot of great stuff going on or a lot of energy or whatever so yeah. but I'm or going like to Harajuku films I'm too. looking I mean, for yeah well Japanese film industry got taken over by the TV industry so yeah. that's a whole other problem right or like anime like if you're not in the moe like I think you're pretty disappointed with anime right now yeah. and um, but with fashion I gotta say that like it's there's if you're into it, it you're not less into it this year like it's it's still there's still a lot out there i still i, think, I still I think, i'm I still walking around harajuku kind of sniffing around yeah, looking for like cool what's going it's, on and it's you fun know? to go in and, and the product always changes in the stores and but it is i mean going back to this like is you know pop culture is only consumer culture or whatever like that's the complete absolute pure expression of that like there's no fashion the coolest craziest brands are probably the most expensive right like I'm sure people are piecing together vintage stuff in a crazy way or whatever, but like, as a pop culture, like you have to go and buy stuff. You can't rent it. You have to buy the clothing, right? 
Maybe that's why it's still doing well because you can't fake it. You can't yeah. fake the. You can't download it. You can't. You gotta. That's kind of what I felt that was really interesting about it because we were moving towards models that everything was either downloadable for free or rentable. rentable. And fashion it's, isn't. Yeah, and otherwise you'll be naked and dying. You know of. Uh, and there's and there's so much you stuff wear something. that like even if you. Like the thing about Unicorn or whatever, even is like you go in there like, oh, this is a cool sweater, and you go back next time, it's gone. Like you can't find it anymore because they just don't make that much of it. So like, even if you get a gray sweater at Uniqlo, the fact that you, the chance of seeing someone in it may be actually really low. It takes a lot of work to dress exactly like other people. Fashion still has all the ingredients of why people liked music and all these other things before. I've never, I've never thought about it. I've said, said these things before. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting, but like. I think if you're into culture, fashion in Japan is like one of the places where culture still lives and breathes and, and is feeling pretty good. So whether Harajuku is cool or not, or like, I mean, I, I feel like Daikanyama and Nakamegaro like aren't. Uh-huh. Like there's just not a lot going on yeah. there. There's not a lot of good I was stores. very disappointed by Daikanyama. Daikanyama in particular, there's just like not a lot going on. But um, Here's a store that has a bunch of old junk in it. <laughs> I don't even know. And there's not even that many stores anymore. But like... Whether Harajuku itself or Harajuku is like doing great, like that general broad area that goes from Shibuya to the end of Harajuku. Like Shibuhara is what they call it in. Uh, to Omotsando, yeah. to Aoyama. That whole area is in incredible. Or Maranochi these days has got a lot of cool stuff going on. Tomorrowland just opened something called Land of Tomorrow. And there's this thing called Maranochi Brick Plaza, which is awesome. It's like this. I haven't checked out any of these brick. places brick thing and there's like a great the, the best beams plus is over there really there's still great stores and to be discovered discovered but the whole thing of like this district is cool and this one isn't that's done like there's a lot of different things going things on. are more diffuse now so and you know pretty good i mean there's a brand that has to take yeah. over it's 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 good I mean, i'd like to see people get away from the idea of thinking that like if you want to explore fashion in Japan, you have to go to Harajuku. I, I agree with the sentiment that it's more diffuse and you have to go here and there and, and all over the place if you but want to Americans, see I stuff. I don't think... Because most Americans will just go to Takeshi Dori and they'll, they won't get it. They'll yeah, go, this is crap. This is, this is... Why is this Nigerian trying to get, yeah. me, no, that's true. get me to go to some place that's horrible? But, like, if, like, for example, if you're a girl who's into, like, cutie fashion, I would not go to Harajuku. I would go to Merci Boku, like, that brand that's in Parco or that's in... And they have a store in uh, Amotsando, you know? Like, that's, like... If you want to be up to date and wear that stuff yeah. now, that's the brand. Or like, if um, like a Kara Nina girl, or something. Like, yeah, oh. you'd go to like a Shinjuku for like a Marui kind of experience. Right, but like the point is, I wouldn't just get stuck into this pattern. Like, I have to go to Harajuku because Harajuku is the place. Yeah, I would go to all these. There's, there, I mean, there's a lot you of You have stuff. to research, still I guess. There's a crazy amount of brands. So. I want to go shopping right now, but it's midnight. Yeah. Yeah, so I, hey, I, I think we're feeling positive about it. Hey, and the you know, I can't the last, believe this, it came to this. In the last one then the last one we did of this, we were like, oh, okay, everything's become a Yankee, and I was like, but it sucks. But then I kind of like had this weird transformation like a month later, like, oh my God, like, Shibuya 109 is cool. So like... I've always been very excited about Shibuya 109, and 109 yeah. too. Even though the staff will kind of laugh at you for like being a gaijin trying yeah. on like ghetto yeah. kind of, onike kind of stuff, but right. I mean... Really, I think it's I think it's pretty good. Maybe we're gonna get some backlash of people being like, "Oh, fashion's you guys are gay," and yeah, <laughs> which is fine. Like, I mean, why don't, I, why don't we talk about I, something that's real? No, like I don't I don't want to. Um, why don't we talk about real life? Let's talk it, about real life a little I, bit. I do feel like it is. If you're into fashion, it is satisfying. I'll say it that way. So, the end. The end. And okay. and also, 
I think, I mean, when you Hit say me. fashion, it sounds like you're like, it means keeping up with trends. Yeah, it, it sounds like. Uh, I just mean like, expre- I mean, uh, expression through clothing. Yeah, I know? just want to hear like, right said Fred right now, I'm too sexy. Yeah, no, I on think, the catwalk. I think nobody is talking about that kind of fashion. I mean, Cut I, to a picture of a thing. cat. And that's why, Zoolander male model. That's kind why of stuff. Japanese fashion is great, it's because it's not that. It's like this really big ecosystem of a lot of different things going on. It's not just like runway models yeah. acting stupid. <laughs> no, it, that, that's actually the, the smallest part of it. So come to Japan. Yokozo Japan. Yokozo Japan. Cool Japan. <laughs>